Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. A successful person never loses. They either win or learn. John Calipari. So June 18th, and my flight, I got a flight in time. I booked the flight on top of a mountain in Vermont because I had cell phone service up there. And I remember booked the flight and I was like, I'm going to have time to get back. You know, it touched down in like Nashville at 5 p.m. or something like that. And then I parked at a buddy's house in Nashville. He had an apartment down there. I was like, sweet, free parking. I'll just take an Uber to the airport. So he picked me up. We got some food and I got my truck to leave and I didn't make it. I don't know, two or three miles. I was still in in the city of Nashville, and my truck started smoking. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what is the deal? So, like, I whipped the truck into a parking spot along the road and uh, called my buddy, and he was working out at the time. He was on, like, a, a two-mile run, had to run back to his house and pick me up. And I was like, bro, you, you had to – you got to come over here and pick me up. I got to figure out what the deal is with this truck. It's broke down and I'm supposed to be back. I'm going to lose an hour driving back because you're in central time. I'm going to Eastern. My anniversary only lasts for like, what, at this point, five more hours, six more hours, four more hours, who knows? And it's a three hour drive. So he's like, okay, well, where do I pick you up at? And I looked and I pulled right in to this adult shop. <laughs> right in front of it with this old Ford Ranger just smoke billowing out from under the hood. You know, I walked into the adult store and I was like, hey, it's a long story, but 
I'm trying to make it back for my anniversary and I live three hours away and please don't tow my vehicle. I'm going to go up here to O'Reilly's and see if I can get some parts to fix it. I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, who is a hiker and a YouTuber and podcaster with some fantastic content about his hiking adventures. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Jeremiah Stringer. Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm a teacher, and I'm just enjoying summer break, backpacking all the time. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> well, don't be too jealous. I've been working like, I don't know, four to eight hours a day, like just hustling, doing content creation, that kind of stuff. So it takes up the time, but, you know, whatever. That's right. But, you know, it, it's your passion, so it doesn't feel like a job, right? That's right. It's not a J-O-B. It's really fun, especially like the best part is actually going out to the woods and spending some time in nature. Then you, then you got to come back and process all of it. Yeah. And I didn't realize when I first reached out to you, and I, I just recently realized you have your own podcast. Yeah, we have a podcast called The Backpacking Podcast. And that, I mean, that says it all, right? We just talk, hang out, and it's unscripted pretty much. We just chill and have a good time talking backpacking and hiking. Very good. How long have you been doing that? I think we started that about a uh, a year and a half ago, I believe. January of 2020, like January 4th, 2020 was the first episode. So we're closing in here on a couple of years and we just, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. The growth and the support and the, you know how it is, like the, the comments and feedback that you get makes it all worthwhile. You get to hear about how you made somebody's day better. Yes. Now, we have a similar arc. You know, we, we started this podcast back in January of 2020, and this is now episode 95. So, this is episode 45 of season two. Wow. You, you're cranking them out, man. I, I just edited today episode 64. So, you are... You're on the ball. I think we must have taken a little break or something. That's okay. Keep plugging along. I, I've, uh, you know, I, I racked up a bunch of interviews, lined up a bunch, a bunch of interviews. I was doing maybe two or three a week and then started uh, this season releasing a couple episodes a week trying to, you know, get the listener, listenership up and, and get some interest. So it's been going really well. Uh, that's, that's what we were doing too is two episodes a week. And then we were looking at our analytics and I was like, we should try it one time a week because we also both work full time. I don't know about your job situation stuff, but it takes a lot of time doing anything like this. So we went to one episode a week and got about the same amount of viewers. I think that some people listen to the first episode and not the second or vice versa, but 
there's a million different ways to do it, whatever way works best for, for you and me and whoever's doing it. Absolutely. Now, where, where are you from? What time zone are you in? I'm in Eastern time zone, so <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty close to the East Coast. I live in Kentucky, right around the Lake Cumberland region, so uh, I think that we might be on different time zones because <laughs> we were scheduling all this out. We're trying to line it up. Where are you at? So I'm in the Pacific time zone near the West Coast. And uh, yeah, I just finished dinner. I imagine you just finished desserts. So, <laughs> Well, actually, my wife and I are going to eat after we're done recording. Okay. One of the pleasures of having like a couple of months off, you just, and we also don't have children. So we pretty much just go to sleep whenever we want and wake up whenever we want. And, uh, we, we celebrated Father's Day yesterday. It was a big day, so we went to bed pretty early. But we've been sleeping till like 11, 12 o'clock some days. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. But then you don't get done with like working on your stuff till 7 or 8 o'clock at night. So it's give and take. That's right. It's all about choices. You get up earlier, you finish earlier. But, you know, the sleeping in's nice. <laughs> That's right, man. Absolutely. So, Jeremiah, have you listened to the podcast before? Uh-uh, I haven't heard of the podcast, and I'd love to know where the name comes from as well. So I, I was working with a, a coworker who, you know, I this is a long story, so bear with me. I have a son who is a New England Patriot fan. Okay. And, and this is going to tie in, I promise. And, <laughs> you know, I thought it would be a good joke to play on him. He, he was on Twitter at the time, and I said, you know what, I should, I should create a Twitter account and I should comment on his post and try, you know, uh, you know, just kind of play, play a fast one. I'm not, not let him know that it's me. Yeah. And so I did that. And I was thinking, you know, what, what, what account should I make? What account should I make? And so because he was a Patriots fan, I made an account called uh, Tom freaking Brady. <laughs> so I commented on a bunch of his stuff. He's like, dad, who is this guy that keeps commenting on my stuff? And, and you know, I eventually let him in on the joke. But, uh, you know, the, the account itself actually picked up some steam and, and, it's close to, I think, 4,100 followers now. And, you know, we had a good time, you know, during the Tom Brady years and all the comments back and forth and uh, good stuff. But uh, in the meantime, then I, I thought about doing this podcast and one of my coworkers said, yeah, it should, you know, you're Tom freaking Brady. It should be uh, John freaking Muir. And that's, that's where it came from. So the John freaking Muir pod. That is, that's a great way to get a name, man. What a good <laughs> idea. So are you a Bucks fan now? I, I am, yes. Yeah, it was a lot of fun this past year with, with him taking that team all the way. I was rooting for him, man. Congratulations on yeah. the win. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the reason I asked if you listen to the podcast is we only go by trail names here on the podcast. So I'm Doc, and I've been referring to you as Jeremiah. Do you have a trail name? I do have a trail name. It's Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam. Okay. Yeah. And, of course, we have to hear the story behind the name. Okay. I'll tell you the story. Um, I started backpacking in October of, now I started a YouTube channel in October 2018 after discovering backpacking in like May or June of 2018. And my father-in-law asked me to go on a trip and I went and I borrowed all this gear to go. And it was for like four days through the Smoky Mountains on the Appalachian Trail. And before that, I'd never been backpacking, just camping and hiking. And with backpacking, you take everything with you that you need. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I went on this trip and I met 
these people that call themselves through hikers. And I was like, what is this crazy culture? And I started hanging out with them and they gave me a trail name. And I was like, a trail name? They're like, yeah, basically it's a, a nickname that you go by whenever you're out backpacking. And I was like, all right. So my trail name was Yosemite Sam. And the way they gave it to me or what caused them to give it to me was, it was my first ever trip, right? You're super green. You don't know anything about the gear and, and pretty much what the mileage or anything like that is like. So whenever I was packing up all this stuff, you know, I was asking all these people for advice and they're giving it to me, but I was asking them like, so, you know, what do you take backpacking? You know, how do you do it? And they're like, you know, these people didn't know anything about backpacking either. It's just random stuff. So a bunch of people, whenever I was asking for their advice, were asking me if I'm going to be taking a gun with me. And I was like, I didn't even think of that. They're like, well, how are you going to protect yourself from bears? And I was like, well, I guess that is a, a good question. So I went and I bought a, uh, a handgun to take with me, and I strapped that to my hip belt, like right in the front. And then on the other side, I was like, you know, I don't know if a gun is really going to do it with a bear. That might just make them angry enough to chase me down. And I was like, I guess that would protect me from other people, you know, and now, now I don't really, you know, carry a weapon. But if I'm in bear country, I'll carry bear spray, and I took bear spray too. So I strapped that to the other side of the hip belt. And then I was, uh, you know, dual wielding the bear spray and the handgun and have never had to use either of them at all whenever I'm in the backcountry. But uh, I guess the through hikers thought I was absolutely insane because at this point they had had several hundred miles under their belt. And they're like, who is this guy? And why does he, why is he open carrying this gun on the Appalachian Trail? But, you know, you live and you learn and, uh, that's where the trail name comes from. So my, my friends, they just call me Yosemite, you know, the ones that call me by my trail name. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of syllables, Yosemite Sam. If there was, if there was some <laughs> emergency happening and they need to get your attention, that's a, that's a lot of syllables to get out. <laughs> yeah, and I did, I did the long trail, and, I, you know, I gave other people trail names too, and that's where the whole Yosemite, I guess, abbreviation comes from is – my friends who I'd spent like a month with at that point, I guess they were tired of calling me Yosemite Sammy. Just Yosemite is fine. And that ties in very nicely with just the hiking community because Yosemite, one of the most beautiful spots to do some hiking. Oh, yeah. I haven't got to go yet. I am. There's so many. Sometimes I get a little bit like, uh, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but there's so many places that you can go and and hike and backpack that it's hard to see them all i could i could like do a different trail every single day for the rest of my life and never get to see all of it so i've gotten to go to quite a few places but yosemite is definitely on that list yeah make sure that is on your list you don't want to miss yosemite especially if your name is yosemite (laughs) yeah that's a good that's a good tie into it because that's me the first question is oh if you've been to yosemite have you seen yosemite it's the people you're introducing yourself to on the trail yeah and i had to be like no (laughs) i haven't even got the chance well very good um i mentioned the podcast you have a podcast i have a podcast and we have a couple of podcast guests in common i was looking looking through your instagram feed and saw that you had talked to chris mead 
who uh, of Outmersive Films, who has done a, a couple of excellent uh, documentaries. And also you've talked to Jeff Garmeyer, who goes by the name of Legend. He was a calendar year triple crowner and just recently participated in the Berkeley Marathons this past spring. Yeah. Have you gotten a chance to talk to him about the marathon and his other race? So I, t- no, I talked to him right before. It was like a week before the Barclays. And so we, we talked about the Barclays. We talked about what his expectations were. And I told him he had to come back onto the podcast to share his, his experience and, and see how it lived up to his expectations. So I'm assuming you were able to talk to him about the Barclay. Well, I talked to him on June 15th. We recorded an episode for our podcast. And I was keeping up with him on Instagram. And if anybody... If there's anybody to watch on Instagram, it's him. His, his, his stories, hilarious. And he wears like the most ridiculous stuff, like fake fur coats and, and tiger print. It's insane. And uh, anyway, he come on, recorded an episode with us on June 15th. It was the second time we had him on. And we had planned to talk all about the Barkley Marathon. And he done this other, um, I can't remember how many miles it was. I think like 250 miles maybe and no sleep so he's having these hallucinations you have to ask him about it um but he did the cocodona right in arizona yeah yeah i guess so uh terrible memory but i just remember it was a lot of miles and he only slept for like an hour the whole time and it was like multiple days and he had sleep deprivation he started seeing stuff it was crazy but the first we recorded for like an hour and the first like 30-ish minutes we talked about the Barkley. We talked about his race. And then for some reason, we were talking about he he has a plan, crazy plan for us to do some type of parody thing where uh, I don't know if you saw, if you're a boxing fan, but like the Paul brothers yes. and, and all that situation, he wants to do something like that, but with backpacking and YouTube and Instagram and that kind of thing. So I think we've come up with – Maybe putting it on a battleship. I don't know. I'm not sure we have the budget for this. And I don't know if it's professional wrestling or MMA or mud wrestling. It's all loose. But with Jeff, you never know what you're going to get, man. It's so entertaining that, you know, you could talk and, and, you know, hang out and just laugh for hours. I can't wait to hear what the final version of this is going to be. I'm going to tune in. Is it going to be a pay-per-view event? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I'm, Hopefully, I'm not going to be the manager of all this stuff. Or maybe that, I don't mean, maybe I'd become a millionaire if I were. Oh, I thought you were the opponent. I thought you and you and Jeff were going to be in, uh, in some tub of cream, cream corn and, and, and doing some <laughs> wrestling. I don't know. No, he is like, uh, he's picking people out and he's like trying to create rivalries because uh, we talked a little bit off the air about this, but he was uh, making, making fun of one of his friends that had partnered with Mountain Dew and, um, you know, it's all in good fun. And then he was like, let's create a rivalry between me, not me, but Jeff. This is Jeff speaking between me and Andrew Skirka, which Andrew Skirka is a backpacking legend too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's also wanting to do, I don't know how many of your listeners are, uh, familiar with the, the most, or the largest channels, I guess you'd say in the backpacking YouTube world, but a couple are Homemade Wonderlust, which is Dixie, and then Darwin on the trail, so Darwin. And uh, I think that we would have them to fight it out, too. Just basically finding celebrities in the backpacking world, if you will, and face-to-face. 
Right. It almost sounds like we we could get the like the college uh, football playoff rankings. You know the uh, the, the <laughs> you know opposite side sides of the bracket. We could have uh, you know the the quarterfinals to the semifinals to the finals. See, you get it. You you understand. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Well, hey, um, Yosemite. We also have a regular segment on this podcast called the Pro Tip Inside of the Work uh, Inside of the Week. And so, I don't want you to be surprised. But towards the end of the episode, I'm going to turn to you and ask you to share with our listeners a little bit of wisdom, some insight about uh, what's going to make their next outdoor experience even better. All right, I can definitely do that. I do okay. a ton of that kind of thing with the YouTube channel. Fantastic. We also have a uh, another feature on the podcast this season called the Must Bring Gear Review, and it's sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. And his, this is how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Yosemite, what is your must-bring piece of gear? I got to say, it probably has to be a camp chair. And the reason why is, I don't know if you've ever just sat sad and lonely in the rain on the ground while you're out in the woods, but it is terrible. So now... Instead, I figured out that even if it's pouring the rain or, you know, crappy weather, you can put up, especially if you're hammocking, you can put up your tarp and you can chill under there, even with friends in your camp chair and don't have to sit on the wet ground. So my first, my first backpacking chair weighed two pounds and it was given to me by one of my buddies. And then I was like, man, two pounds, this is pretty heavy for a backpacking chair. It's not that heavy. But I upgraded to the Hillinox Chair Zero, and if you're not familiar, it weighs one pound, and I don't know, it's between 100 and 150 bucks. So I was like, ah, it's worth it. And then very, very recently, (laughs) I got one that's three pounds. Have you seen the Hillinox Sunset Chair? I have not. It's, have you seen the Chair Zero? Oh, yes. So it's basically a Chair Zero, except it sits higher. I'm I'm six foot three, so like my legs all bowed up is not super comfortable. So it sits up higher and it has a full backrest and the pouch or like the the stuff sack, it, it actually zips and stuff, but you can take your extra clothes and stick it in there and it's got Velcro on it and Velcro on the chair and it like sticks together and then you have like a, a neck rest slash pillow too. So for two more pounds you can you can take it my plan is to only pretty much take it like backpacking on either super ultralight trips that i've ultra i've I've already like shed as much weight as possible i'm like ah add an extra couple pounds it's not a big deal or like i do a lot of winter backpacking trips where i only go in two or three miles and you just set up and bring pretty much whatever luxuries you want yeah I, i can't wait to try it out Nice. I have this. I have this image of you, Yosemite, sitting in the the chair zero, six foot three. Your your knees must have been up around your chin. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, man. It's so that's the two pound chair that I originally got sits a little bit higher, and it's almost worth it to sit a little higher. If you can find a good rock, a good flat rock, 
that all of your chair legs will sit on top of and it'll add a few inches to like how high you're sitting. Oh, it is a game changer, man. Yeah, I have to confess that I was looking for the chair zero right before I left on my 2017 hike of the southern half of the John Muir Trail, 125 miles. And I was at REI and I could not find them. They were all sold out. And so I actually settled for this chair. I think it was called the Butterfly. I forget the, that was the model. I forget the manufacturer, but it was a two-legged chair. So it was, it was an ultralight backpacking chair. Uh, it, it weighed about a pound. But the chair legs were, were two legs, and then your feet were the other two legs. And so it's like a rocker. Did and you so, like? Well, once you get into it, it's, it's great. I mean, you get to rock back and forth, and it's really comfortable. But getting into it and getting out of it, very awkward. I've, I've tried it because I've been on other trips with friends that, uh, you know, they have one of those. And I don't know. I don't know if it's for me, but maybe I haven't gotten into it enough to, to know. Do they make a one-legged chair as well? I think, <laughs> you know, I think they call that a hiking pole. <laughs> <laughs> Very uncomfortable. <laughs> There's a, uh, a subscriber that I have on YouTube that emailed me and asked to send me a camp chair. I don't know if it's, it's really a camp chair. I haven't tried it out yet, but it takes your backpack and it combines it with the chair and your tr- and two trekking poles. So you had to have two trekking poles, and you set them to the right length, and you put your backpack with it, and you, you combine the chair. And then I think you had to sit on the ground, though. It has a pad that you use. So I'm like, I don't know if uh, that's going to be a thing. I don't really want to be on the ground. That kind of defeats the purpose of having the chair, but it's also a lot lighter. Now, you, you know, Yosemite, when you started that story, I thought that he asked you if you could send him a chair. Uh, and I'm thinking, that's not the way this whole podcasting gig works. I mean, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to send us stuff. We'll talk about it. Yeah, I love getting the free stuff. I don't, I don't know how much free stuff you get, but a lot of the stuff that sometimes people think that whenever you do like content creation and or whatever it is, podcast, YouTube, you know, et cetera that you get all of this immaculate gear just for free. But in reality, like if you looked and saw how much time you have to spend putting in to create it, and then like the junky stuff you get, like I get a lot of emails from like some made up company in China that has some knockoff version that we'll send this to you. This flashlight that costs like $2 to make and costs $6 for the consumer. If you'll make a video about it, you're like, bro, you're asking me to put in like 10 to 15 hours of work to talk, to talk about your flashlight. And I just got a $7 flashlight out of it. That's like 22 cents an hour. <laughs> it's, it's, that's a robbing man. That is robbing. Yeah. I do have to say though, one of, one of the best things that's happened recently is I reached out, I lined up an interview with Josh Endress. I, I looked out, found his uh, Instagram channel thought he was doing some really great stuff and so i reached out to him and he said hey by the way i'm an author can i send you a copy of my book i said heck yeah send me the copy because he's on his work is all done in the in the sierras in the on the john muir trail you know place that you know i'm, I'm very passionate about and so i said yeah send me the book i'd love to take a look at it i was expecting you know a, a paperback or a maybe a maybe a hardback you know novel size uh, no this is a like a coffee table book it's it's you know, probably 300 pages 
And it's mostly just these gorgeous pictures with his stories about his past decade in the, in the Sierras. And I tell you, it, it, it gave me chills just looking at those pictures. I can't wait to talk to him about it. Wow. Sometimes you get a diamond in the rough, man. That's right. What was his name? Josh Endress, E-N-D-R-E-S. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I love talking to authors too. Jeff was, Jeff's an author too. His book, Free Outside, that fantastic, man. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Have you read that? Oh yeah. We read it before we had him on yeah. and I was like, this is, well, technically I didn't read it. I listened to the audio book and he was the person reading it. So you, you kind of get a, the whole vibe of like, almost what's in the author's head that that's the best if you can really if it's so well written a book is so well written and it's the author reading it and they kind of get to act out the you know almost the mannerisms and the tone of voice and all that oh yeah did he tell you about his experience on the great western loop i can't remember so it's it's part of the pct uh for a while and then you you actually go east and you you come back going south um, and so I think it's all told it's like 20, 2,500 miles maybe. Wow. Um, but it's through the Western U.S. But the story that I really enjoyed the most when he told it was he, he was getting close to a town and on the path or just off the path, he sees this set of moose antlers. And he's like, oh, man, these are, these are incredible. He's gonna, I'm, I'm going to pick these up and I'm going to take them to the town and I'll ship them back to my, to my house. And so he gets to the antlers and he reaches down only to realize that they're still attached to a bull moose who was none too pleased with, with uh, legend yanking on his, on his antlers. Wow. You know, I'm, I fly out to Vermont to, uh, to do some more of the long trail with some friends like later this week. And I so want to see a moose so bad. I didn't see one. I threw hiked the long trail and I didn't see a moose the entire time. All I, all I got was the pleasure of walking through just piles and piles of moose poop all up and down the mountains for days, but never got to see one moose. I think I missed one. Actually, some people saw it and, uh, is that a shelter? There's a giant pond out front. Me? No. Uh, be careful out there, Yosemite. Moose, they are big creatures. They are huge. Oh, I want to see it from afar. I, yeah, I don't good. want to grab the horns. Good idea. Good idea. You know, we did some hiking on Catalina Island off the coast of California. It's uh-huh. called, uh, they have a trail called the Trans-Catalina Trail. It goes from tip to tip of the island. It's about 38 miles long. But they have bison on the island. And, you know, there's all kinds of warnings about, you know, stay 80 feet away from, from the buffalo. You know, don't get any closer. But I'm not sure that the buffalo can read that signage. So, you know, we woke <laughs> up one morning to a buffalo walking through our camp. Oh, no. Crazy. Yeah, I've Large. never had, Yeah, I'd say they're insane. Do you know how many pounds they are? Oh, I want to say 1,000 plus. Yeah, that's I – mean, I'm a little skittish when it comes to horses. Like we were at a pretty much like a petting zoo type type deal, like a little touristy thing here in in Kentucky, and we we're petting on this Clydesdale, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this thing is so freaking huge!" It freaks me out, man. So being around a bison or anything that big, you know, you just think, "Man, that thing could kill me." I'm not at the top of the food chain here. It could kill me. I'm not about that life. <laughs> Very good. Yes. 
All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail here, let's uh, let's back up a little bit. I'd love to hear about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of hobbies you were involved in as a kid. Was the outdoor outdoor experience part of growing up? Did your, your parents take you camping? And just how you got involved in, in the outdoors? Sure. Absolutely. So I was born in a small city in Kentucky called Monticello. And uh, I grew up pretty much fishing and hunting, a lot of squirrel hunting. I think I killed my first squirrel when I was probably, I don't know, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there. And just learning to shoot. And then uh, I got got to like a little bit older. And I was also always uh, kind of a, a bigger kid. So when I got to high school, you know, they wanted me to play football. And I was like... 275 pounds or something like that and so everything else pretty much took a back seat when it comes to the outdoors besides just like the usual camping trip with you know your family or whoever and then went to college and graduated and married my wife and then her father-in-law really got me back into to doing a lot of the outdoor stuff I was like now I try to, even while I'm working, at least take at minimum two two overnight trips per month. And then now, like since I'm not working at the moment, I try to get out every chance I get. Like I've, I've probably been on five or six backpacking trips since May. And, you know, it's mid-June, end of June. So as I was growing up, we would do stuff like – car camping, we go ginseng hunting. I don't know if you're familiar, but you're pretty much looking for a plant in the woods and uh, look for the leaf pattern. And, you know, you dig up the root. Last year, I think it got up to $700 a pound. So you like dig the roots and it can be fairly ludicrous if you're really good at it. So we do stuff like that or, you know, splish splash around the lake. Grew up on a, a really big lake here in Kentucky. And then whenever my father-in-law asked me to go on that backpacking trip is when it really turned on for me. And, uh, you know, all throughout college and that kind of thing, I maybe got to get out two or three times a year. Usually we would go to land between the lakes, which there's, there's Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley here in Kentucky. And there's this long strip of land right in between them. It's got a bunch of trails for biking and hunting and hiking and stuff. And we do that every spring and fall break. But other than that, you know, you're just kind of living life and, you know, getting educated, I guess, is what was happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when was it? What was the year of that first backpacking trip for you? That was in 2018. So in like, I graduated college in 2015 from Western Kentucky University. And then my wife and I bought a house and she started cooking and I kept on eating. So I was like 300 pounds. And then I was playing in this basketball game, this student student versus faculty basketball game and one of my knees pretty much gave out on me and I was like what the heck so I went to the doctor and he was like hey you know you have patellar tendonitis and you're basically too fat so you need to lose weight if you want to keep like being active and doing the sports and that kind of stuff you need to lose weight and you need to uh, do all this physical therapy and so I did and I worked and worked and worked at like cutting weight for about 18 months, like took it very, very seriously, worked out a whole lot. And I got down to like 188 pounds. So I cut a bunch of weight 
And then this backpacking trip was like right at the beginning of summer break. So end of May, beginning of June in 2018. And I had lost all that weight over the 2016, 17, 18 time. And then I was in the best shape of my life going on this trip, which thank God, because the, all the stuff that I took, first of all, it was like 40 miles from Fontana Dam and we were going up to Clingman's Dome. And then I kept going because I wanted to hang out with the through hikers and we went to Newfound Gap and caught a ride into Gatlinburg and I kind of showed them around because I'm, I only live two or three hours from there anyway. So went there as a kid and stuff, but, uh, my backpack probably weighed 50 or 60 pounds. It was ridiculous. So I, I know it was terrible. So doing those like 10, the first day was like 10 miles. We got there after dark and woke up all the through hikers clacking and clanging, having no idea what we were doing. But if I hadn't been in such good shape at the time, I don't know how I would have made it. Yeah. So what are you, what are you weighing in these days? Cause I'm looking at you. I had no idea that you were once, you know, pushing 300 pounds. You don't, you don't look like, like that at all right now. Well, the, since I get to go outdoors and do all this stuff so much, it really keeps me active. Plus I, you know, lift weights and play basketball and, you know, anything like that, that's, that's active and a workout. But mm-hmm. right now I'm probably 210, 220, somewhere in there. And it just depends, but the main goal is to, to keep it normal, like not too small, mm-hmm. not too big, live life to the fullest and, you know, not worry about every little thing that goes into your body, but also maybe only one piece of cake, you know? Everything in moderation. That's right. Everything in moderation and you'll be, you'll be good to go. See, a lot of people, uh, I don't think they realize it takes a long time to gain all that weight. So whenever you're ready to lose it, it doesn't happen in a couple of months. You know, if you're 20 pounds overweight, hey, just set a, set a goal of like a year. Don't do like, ah, I gotta, I gotta drop all this weight because you haven't really changed your life. You know, you change your eating habits temporarily. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And I said everything in moderation. I meant to say everything in moderation, except when it comes to outdoor adventuring, then you go whole hog. <laughs> All aboard on that train, man, for sure. <laughs> All right. And you've, you've mentioned a couple of times that you are an educator. Do you teach junior high or high school? I teach high school and, you know, as long as they sign my paycheck, I'll teach whatever, but they basically have me teaching different stuff in math. You know, I have a degree in math and education, so geometry, algebra two, all pretty much all that stuff that everybody hates. That's that's me. I'm your guy. And I bet you you have to connect with those students to to get them engaged and want to you know tackle those tough subjects. Yeah, it's it's always interesting seeing them. I think YouTube gives me like an advantage in in some ways, especially like. You know, we had to go through this weird year with COVID and it was especially weird when it came to school because I think everybody got a dose of how school affects everybody's lives. Like if you got kids and, if you know, if you have children and they're of the age of going to school, then all of a sudden, if you still had to work, you no longer had that, you know, I don't know if I'd say babysitter, but it's basically a place that they go every day and they have structure. Mm-hmm. So since I already knew how to do the technology type things, doing the podcast, doing the channel, all that kind of things, it really gave me an advantage. And then, you know, you're talking about your, your son on Twitter. 
the kids or anybody that's younger are all about the social media. So anything that you can do to relate, like when they, when they discover that I have a YouTube channel, they're like, I remember it happened uh, just a couple of months ago before we let out and I hadn't said anything about it. And they were like, what? Mr. Stringer. That's what they call me. Mr. Stringer has a YouTube channel. How did I not know about this? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, you know, the kids don't especially love math, but anything that you can do to connect and, you know, I, I live in a pretty rural environment. So especially since, you know, I'm getting more and more knowledge when it comes to the outdoors. And a lot of those people that I teach are just good old boys and good old girls. And, you know, their idea of having a good time is taking the side by side out and, you know, doing donuts and climbing hills and taking the four wheeler and going to the lake. And I love to do all those same things. So, you know, it really helps. Now, hang on a second. What's a side by side? Side by side is like uh, they they make different kinds, right? You, you, you know, if you had a utility, it's basically one of those things you'd see driving around on the football field that's got like a, a little truck bed in the back. And then, uh, you know, if you got one that's going into the woods, they, they're all different brands like Honda makes them. And, you know, you hop in or they could have a back seat. You could have a really big one that you can climb rocks with. You know, it's it's like a four-wheeler, but a little bit more family friendly. Got it. Got it. Okay. Throwing out that Kentucky lingo at me. I had to, <laughs> had to slow down a second. Yeah. Well, we definitely, uh, we definitely got different lingos. We're so far apart. Now, when I used to be a principal. And so one of my favorite activities uh, at the, at the high school was when we had our annual dodgeball tournament where the, the students would uh, at lunch, brunch and lunch, they would, you know, go through this whole tournament and go through the different brackets and they'd have their teams and, and we'd have an eventual champion. But then the, that championship team and the other teams as well got a chance to take on the faculty team. And so that was a lot of fun. That particular day, we'd be in, we'd be in the large gym at lunch and we'd be in our, our dodgeball gear just hurling those balls at the students. So, Oh, that, <laughs> I don't know if that's legal anymore. <laughs> that was that was back in the day. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's always anything that's student versus faculty is always so much fun. A couple of years ago, like the year before COVID, we had a student versus faculty volleyball game. And the the referee was one of our assistant principals. And, you know, he's making all the calls. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with church camp. But for anybody that ever goes to, like, a church camp, it's basically none of the questions in the competitions matter until the last question. For some reason, it's worth, like, 25 points, and every other question is worth one. So the volleyball game was kind of like that, and we were down big, man. And uh, <laughs> if we – if I messed up a serve – it was all official here. If I messed up a serve, then uh, I pretty much, you know, sealed the deal and we lost the game. The bell's about to ring, and I had like seven aces in a row, and I needed like two more points and hit the ball into the net and lost the game for us. But, you know, hopefully I'm the only person that remembers that. (laughs) (laughs) You're still talking about it years later. It must have weighed heavily on you. It's traumatizing. You know how it is. Yep, I do. I do. Hey, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into some of the finer details of Yosemite Sam's uh, recent trips. And I especially want to talk to you about through hiking the Vermont Long Trail solo. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. 
The John Freakin' Meerpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empowers outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance and durability enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident in. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like... My creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Yosemite Sam, also known as Yosemite. Maybe in an emergency emergency situation, we could shorten that to Yos. Uh, (laughs) That's great, man. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, talked about his background. Now we're going to get into some of his hiking stories. And I was just saying that, you know, we, we have not had anybody on the podcast that has given us uh, any kind of in-depth report on the long trail in Vermont. And I, I once watched a documentary about uh, a runner, a trail runner who was trying to set the fastest known time, male or female for the long trail. And it was really well done. I think it was on net, it was either Netflix or Amazon Prime. And she gave it a great shot. I think she ultimately came up a little bit short, but uh, started hallucinating all kinds of uh, interesting stuff in that documentary. But the, the, the scenery and the terrain just looked epic. So uh, I understand that you did the Vermont Long Trail solo. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, quite the story. I can give, I can give you the whole thing or... Uh, you know, if there's anything specific that you want to know about, absolutely feel free to cut me off because I can talk about the long trail all day. In fact, the, uh, you know, you mentioned the record holder. So whenever I was out there, I can tell you the story of bumping into the, I don't know if they're the current record holder now, but they broke the record while I was on trail. So uh, yeah, it's wow. uh, crazy. Now, now you're a Kentucky boy. How did you, how did you get out to be in, in Vermont and, and know about the long trail? <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So that very first trip I told you about with my father-in-law, I met this guy called hatchet man and, uh, he was actually a, a firefighter and he was a vet and lived in Boston and he was a through hiker at the time on the Appalachian trail. And then I didn't really think anything of it. He and I still stayed kind of in contact, but at, just out of the blue, he texted me 
you know, like mm, a couple weeks before trail days on the Appalachian Trail of the next year. So I hadn't talked to him in months. And he's like, hey, man, are you doing anything this summer? I'm thinking about doing the Vermont Long Trail. And I was like, well, I was thinking about doing the Chateau Trace Trail. It's here in Kentucky, and it's like 300 and something miles long. And he was like, why don't you come do the Vermont Long Trail with me? And I was like, well, I guess I could fly up to Boston. If you want to pick me up, then uh, I guess we could go. And then it was like the next week I flew up to, to Rhode Island. He picked me up. And then the next night we headed to the Long Trail. And it's like, I don't remember, two, three, four hundred miles, somewhere in there. It took me about a month. And we got a hotel the night before, got dropped off at the trailhead the next morning. And then he and I hiked together for a couple of days. But the first day, we only made it like six miles. And I was like, I don't know. I can't just do six miles a day. Like, I kind of have a deadline. You know, my my wedding anniversary is June the 18th. And my wife's birthday is June the 20th. We got Father's Day that same week. Like, I need to get back. So, I was kind of on a time crunch. "Ah, I'll see how it goes the next day. And Hatchet Man, again, hiked six or seven miles, basically to the next shelter or so. And I was like, hey, man, we're, we're going to have to speed up a little bit here or something. And uh, he's like, go ahead, man. I, I can catch up or I can, you know, he didn't really care about completing the trail. He was just getting away and getting his mind right and that kind of thing. So um, he was like, I can catch up. You know, I'll, I'll hitch a ride and maybe meet up with you in the next town you resupply in or something. He's like, I'm just, I, I need some time out here and I got to go at my own pace. And I was like, all right, man, that's cool. And uh, I had met a few people that actually, if you fast forward, we all became a trail family. I had met them on the second night. I guess I'd accidentally camped with them the first night, but didn't remember and uh, kept talking. And then on that third day, I think I did like a 20 mile day in 40 degree rain and it was absolutely miserable. And that we made it 10 miles of the 20 and then hatchet man, we waited on him at the shelter and he made it. And he was like, I can't go the, the another 10 miles. We're like, well, if we do 10 more miles now, we'll have a short hike into town the next day. We can resupply and we can dry out. He's like, I'm crashing here, you know? And, uh, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to keep going. So on the through hike life, it's not, I don't think it's such a big deal to leave like, uh, you know, if there's people you're hiking with, you kind of yo-yo back and forth almost. And sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. So hopefully you didn't feel too betrayed. Everything seems to be cool. But uh, I did the rest. I guess you would consider solo, but with the support of the trail family, which hopefully I was supporting as well. So Hatchet Man gets you to change your plans from <laughs> hiking the Shelter We Trace Trail in Kentucky, gets you to fly up to uh, Rhode Island, and then up into Vermont to do this, this, uh, the long trail hike. And after three days, that's it. Yeah, we didn't see, we haven't seen each other since. And that was in 2019. So, you know, I, I talked, I, I kept in touch with him the entire time on the trail and was seeing how he's doing, but you know, he's, I won't say too much. He's a really private guy, but I, you know, you just kind of know, if if some you know somebody's not gonna make it sometimes right off the start some things are pretty evident and sometimes the priority isn't finishing the trail it's to get out there and get space and it's a lot different being in the wilderness of vermont versus like 
the inner city of Boston, you know, so, uh, South side, <laughs> South side Boston is completely different than staying in those shelters. So mm-hmm. he was doing his thing. I was doing mine, but it all turned out good. I went to like, I think the weekend before I went to trail days and then caught a flight, you know, I got back maybe Monday and then caught a flight maybe that Wednesday or Thursday and then off we went and the rest is history till we get to it on this podcast. Yes. And you're exactly right. It's, you've all heard the saying, hike your own hike. Uh, if you try and make your hike conform to somebody else's pace or idea of what a hike should be like, uh, you're not going to have as much fun as if you had just been you know, true to yourself and, and what your style is. And so, you know, good for Hatchet Man that he was hiking his hike and good for you for, you know, realizing, you know, what you needed to do. And, and you're right. You don't stay with the same. It's very rare for two people to hike joint at the hip for hundreds of miles. And you guys are, you guys have different paces. You may camp together, uh, may see each other, you know, at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, but you're not necessarily hiking step lockstep the entire time. Yeah. And even like, not even through hiking, but you know, if I just take a trip with some buddies out over a weekend or a couple of days, oftentimes you basically camp together and the rest of the time, maybe you talk a little bit, maybe you don't, maybe you see each other, maybe you don't. And it was like that the whole time on the long trail, you know, my trail family, it got as big as like nine or 12 people and as small as just three or four. And, uh, we ended up ending with doc and nurse, me and caveman and birdie and uh, a couple of other chicks that we called the clean ones, which, uh, I can, I can tell that story later if you want, but it's a great time, man. Well, I'm, I'm ready to hear about the clean ones. Okay. So whenever you're through hiking, a lot of times there's shelters along the way and then there's these, there's journals at the shelters. So it's the same way on the long trail through Vermont. It actually starts at the southern border of Vermont, Massachusetts, and it goes to the northern border of Vermont where it touches Canada. And the first hundred miles coincide with the Appalachian Trail. So you're meeting through hikers that are doing the Appalachian Trail as you're section hiking or through hiking the long trail. And in these journals, it's fun to just write random stuff. Maybe it's a trail report or something interesting that happened or who you are. People write all kinds of stuff, poems. So we wrote all kinds of stuff. We started calling ourselves the Brunch Club, my trail family, because we would sleep in every day like (sighs) – if if we got started before 10 o'clock, you know, it was two thumbs up. So I guess that the people behind us, the, the long trail opens up like right after Memorial Day. So, you know, it's mud season up until then. And we had hit it like that weekend, Memorial Day weekend. So we're out on the trail and everybody else is starting a little bit later because we're crazy and all muddy and stuff. And we got this reputation and met several people along the trail that we'd go into a trail town and then we'd come back the next day, we'd bump into somebody that we haven't met because they were behind us. And uh, they'd be like, Oh, y'all the brunch club. We've been reading about you in the journals. I'd write silly stuff in there. Sometimes I'd write like math proofs. That was really fun. People have no idea what you're talking about, you know? So anyway, when we got on the, like the last leg of the trip, we met these two girls and they had not worn the same pair of clothes 
at all the entire time while through hiking. And the whole time, they were only two, one, two, three days behind us, but never could catch us. They kept trying to catch us. And uh, I was like, how in the world are you guys not wearing the same clothes? Like when I go backpacking, I have a shirt for hiking and a shirt for camp. You know, I may have two pairs of underwear, a pair of shorts for camp, whatever, you know, a, a dry pair of clothes for when I get to camp. But the rest of the time, you're stinky and nasty and wearing the same clothes the whole time. You know, maybe wash your clothes at the laundromat in Trail Town every once in a while. So they hadn't worn the same clothes at all, and they had this fresh food. And I was like, what is the deal? And they're like, well, we had just decided to stay in the shelters the entire time, so we didn't bring a tent didn't bring a hammock, nothing like that. It's these two chicks that went to high school together. And uh, we just basically substituted clothing. And every few days, they would get resupplies on their clothes. Their family would either hike in maybe a side trail to one of the shelters or they'd meet them at a road crossing and give them some food and basically supported them. So I remember one day, the way I discovered it is everything is so stinky out there. And, you know, I go to the laundromat and wash my clothes, and I take the, uh, you know, the, the little, what are the cloth sheets called that you throw in the dryer? Right, the fabric, uh, the, the static fabric dealios. Yeah, they're yeah. like some kind of dryer sheet. Right. So I would take those with me and just smell them. You know, I'd be like two days in, and everything smells absolutely terrible. And I, I'd be like, oh, caveman, you got to smell this thing, bro. It smells so good because everybody smells so terrible. And then one day, you know, we were leaving camp, and they were about to leave too. And I was like, did y'all spray perfume? And they're like, mm, no. And I was like, what is that? It smells fantastic. And they're like, uh, I mean, we use deodorant. And I was like, your clothes look so clean. And then that's when they told me you know, that they had never worn the same clothes. It was, it was super fun finishing with them because their family that had been supporting them the whole time, they were also at the terminus. So when I got there, you know, they had like a bottle of champagne or whatever, some local craft beers and, you know, it was just fun. And, uh, the, that's the legend of the clean ones. It turns out actually one of them went to high school with somebody in her trail family. So it's a small world out there. Small world. So their 40-pound backpacks were taken up by 38 pounds of clothes and, and two pounds of uh, uh, toiletries. No, they would only, they would only bring like uh, two, three pairs of clothing. Every, their family lived in Massachusetts. So they resupplied them with, with fresh I mean, clothes? Yeah, it'd be like two or three-hour drive one way in their family. I thought it was genius. If you have a family that will support you the way that theirs were, I mean, I would sign up for that all day long. There's no shame in my game. I love being clean. It's just out there, it's so difficult. But, yeah, their backpacks were definitely smaller than mine. They might have had 35-liter packs, and, you know, I was rocking the 65-liter. Bring me a burger and a pair of clean pair of skivvies every 25 miles. We're, we're in business. <laughs> well, the most ridiculous thing was uh, I was like, so y'all haven't worn the same clothes two days in a row. And they're like, well, at the beginning of the trip, we brought like a whole week's worth of clothing, but we only brought like two pairs of socks a piece. And I was like, you could have brought an entire week's worth of socks, but you brought like t-shirts and running shorts and stuff. Socks are like, gold out there especially i mean they call it vermud like it's it's vermud for a reason it, there's no point i even got injured at one point because i was trying to keep my feet 
from uh, not getting all muddy, you know. Every day you're taking off your shoes at lunch and trying to air out your feet. And every night at camp you're building a fire, not because you're cold, but just because you want to dry out your inserts of your shoes. You want to dry out your trail runners. You want to dry out your socks. You build a little clothesline. I mean, it's – I felt so bad for them (laughs) wearing the same pair of socks for a week. That's rough. (laughs) Vermud, I love it. I, I had not heard that before. That's excellent. Oh, yeah, man. It's so muddy. It's, I mean, I'm about to go back, and hopefully it's a lot more clear. You, you're guaranteed two things, black flies and mud. So if you're okay with that, you'll be okay on the long trail. Two of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> now, you were talking about them trying to uh, catch up to you. And they'd read the trail journals in the in the shelters and try and catch up to you. I, I had explored this concept with another past guess about what a fantastic book this might be where if you're doing a maybe a thriller on the Appalachian Trail where it's kind of like a, a mystery with one guy trying to catch up with somebody else who just just following you know the whole story is told through the trail journals oh that would be amazing and if it's a thriller you could throw in a twist at the end if you wanted maybe right. never existed or and it was somebody else um Dude, the possibilities are endless. That's such a good idea. So many different directions. So, yeah, the long trail, man. It's, I, it's dear to my heart. And I'll tell you, the hardest part though was like being away from your family. Like you can't even hug your wife for a month. If you're through hiking and uh, you know you still want that, you know, as close a connection as you can if you can get your family to meet up with you along the way or you're fortunate enough that they live along the trail and can help support you, that to me was the hardest thing because I got two weeks in and, you know, some days you don't have cell phone service. It's getting better and better, you know, as we go into the future with technology. But I didn't have like a Garmin inReach that I could text my wife from or anything like that. So if you didn't have service that day, like you could have been dead. So your family is like – they're just waiting to hear from you and you completely lose like the whole, you know, connection there and it's rough. So I was so excited to get back home. And I, man, I remember flying back home. I actually, I was supposed to get back. I believe it was June. I was trying to get back by our anniversary. So June 18th, and my flight, I got a flight in time. I booked the flight on top of a mountain in Vermont because I had cell phone service up there. And I remember booked the flight, and I was like, I'm going to have time to get back. You know, it touched down in, like, Nashville at 5 p.m. or something like that. And then I parked at a buddy's house in Nashville. He had an apartment down there. I was like, sweet, free parking. I'll just take an Uber to the airport. So he picked me up. We got some food, and I got my truck to leave, and I didn't make it. I don't know, two or three miles. I was still in in the city of Nashville and my truck started smoking. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is the deal? So like I whipped the truck into a parking spot along the road and uh, called my buddy and he was working out of time. He was on like a, a two mile run, had to run back to his house and pick me up. And I was like, bro, you, you have to you got to come over here and pick me up. I got to figure out what the deal is with this truck. It's broke down and I'm supposed to be back. I'm going to lose an hour driving back because you're in central time. I'm going to Eastern. My anniversary only lasts for like, what, at this point, 
five more hours, six more hours, four more hours, who knows? And it's a three hour drive. So he's like, okay, well, where do I pick you up at? And I looked and I pulled right in to this adult shop <laughs> right in front of it with this old Ford Ranger, just smoke billowing out from under the hood. You know, I walked into the adult store and I was like, Hey, it's a long story, but I'm trying to make it back for my anniversary and I live three hours away and please don't tow my vehicle. I'm going to go up here to O'Reilly's and see if I can get some parts to fix it. Sure enough, uh, part of the coolant system, part of it had dry rotted and I was able to scrape together enough tools and go to O'Reilly's and buy a part and fix it and put more antifreeze and water in. And I made it home like one or 2 AM completely missed the anniversary, but I made it back in time for, you know, uh, my wife's birthday and father's day. So that turned out not two out of three. <clears throat> yeah. Not too bad. Now the, the, the important question was, was Mrs. Yosemite Sam tracking your location by your phone and saying, <laughs> you know what? It's our anniversary. He's supposed to be back here pretty soon. What is he doing camped out at this adult store for hours? What is now, going on? If, if this were a movie, then that would definitely be in the movie. But disappointingly, it was quite comical. I, I think I told her, and I kept her as up-to-date as possible. I'm like, Bridget, I promise. She was like, I think about to have a meltdown because she hadn't seen me in a month. You know, I'd been on this epic trip and met all these people, and, you know, she's not a part of these relationships. And uh, here I am. There's only just the road between me and her, just the road. I just got to get home. And I called her, and I was like, hey, I got some bad news. It's not good. I was like, my truck is smoking right now. <laughs> and I'm broke down. I'm going to see if I can get it fixed. But if it were a movie, <laughs> I would write that in. <laughs> now, if it was a movie, who, which actor would play you? Man, that's a tough one. How do I be modest here? I'm, I'm going to say, uh, who's the guy that plays Deadpool? Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. I want to say Ryan Reynolds is going to play me. Okay. I could see that. This, this is like a rom-com. You know, start out with a long trail and the, the journey back to, 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 your, to your love back home for the anniversary and breaking down. And, oh, yeah, I could see this. This could be a script. I mean, there is so, there are so many, so many stories that are left untold that, you know, it, that's what's really fun. Like, I got to go up last July and hang out with the trail family that I, I met and hung out with along the long trail and getting to meet up with those people. It's like, you know, it's back to full on fraternity mode. You know, it's, it's like you have, there's so many, there's something about sharing hardships with people that builds trust and builds a sense of community and builds those relationships and getting to meet back up with them. And hopefully at least one of them or two of them will be able to join us at some point whenever I head out, you know, to, to hike some more on the long trail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's uh, I think what you, we would call type two fun. Do you know the, the, the different types of fun? Oh, I know all about dude. We went to Cranberry wilderness last week and it was hundred percent chance of rain every single day. You're talking about some top two fun. I know how to have top two fun. A lot of that long trail is top two fun. Excellent. Hey, going back to the movie, the movie aspect though here, I mean, again, play up the whole angle of hatchet man 
luring you up to the, to the long trail in Vermont and then, and then, you know, six miles a day, 10 miles a day and, and, and bailing on you. I, it just plays right into the whole plot. I mean, I, I could see this happening. <laughs> it's hard. You know, some of it sounds made up. It's hard to make this stuff up, man. I just, I'm just so blessed that I've gotten to experience, you know, all this stuff. There's good and there's bad, there's give and there's take, but it's hard to make it up, man. Yeah, it's like I tell my son uh, when he's worried about something. I tell him, you know, it, it'll go, it'll go just fine. And you know, if it doesn't go fine, you'll have a good story. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're either gonna win or learn. That's for sure. Oh, I like that. Win or learn. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a shout out to the Kentucky Wildcat basketball team. That's that's a John Calipari classic. There, win <laughs> or learn, baby. We done a lot of learning last year. <laughs> a lot, of, like like fifteen games worth of learning. And seven worth of winning. That's, <laughs> that is a, a, a full-on education right there. Comprehensive. That's a rough, that's a rough season, bro. Yeah. Hey, before we move on from the long trail, what, what was your favorite memory from the long trail, from that particular hike of the long trail? Uh, I think it, there's so many, man. And what, what I want to do is get a tattoo of the state of Vermont and then like, like circumscribe the trail through the tattoo and then maybe put on some like symbols for the peaks or special locations that I, that I got to go to or like memories. I don't know if I can limit to just one. I'll give you a, a couple of quick ones. Would that be a full back tattoo? How big is this tattoo? <laughs> I think, I think you have to, uh, I, I thought I could fit it on my forearm but you could make a full sleeve out of it probably with all the memories. Can you imagine? Like you could just surround your entire arm with it. Yeah. A couple summers ago, I got a life-size tattoo of myself. Oh. Yeah. How did, how did, how did it come out? It's, it's, it's pretty close. I think it looks pretty genuine, man. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so one is we, we took this off trail to summit this uh, – it's Kingston's Peak. A lot of these places you're going to hit on the long trail are ski designations. Like they do a lot of backcountry skiing as well as just resorts. A lot of the trail towns you go into are ski towns, you know, and I'm backpacking during the spring, late spring, summertime. So all the skiing's closed. So you still have access to like the warming lodges and that kind of stuff, but no electric or anything like that up there. It's just like it's abandoned. So we went up to one that was Kingston's Peak and I think that it was my first 360-degree view that besides, like, Clingman's Dome, which is very, very touristy, you know, it's my first big reward, 360-degree view, where you just look all around you, and you get to just take in the moment, as well as you can see for so many miles. You can see the other peaks that you bagged, and you can see I walked along this ridge all the way down into here to that town, and... I mean, it was just amazing. And then I think that this other one ranks ahead of it. But on the last day, we decided that the brunch club was going to get up early. We had one more big peak. It wasn't even that big. It's not like it's a 14er, but it's four or 5,000 feet. We had one more big peak that we were going to get to see. So we decided this last shelter – you know, we're going to get up super early, head out in the morning at like 4.30, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., somewhere in there, well before the sun comes up. So we have this great 
celebratory night, the night before, and then we all go to bed, get up the next morning, and then everybody leaves except for me. And I did get up, but I'm pretty much the slowest and value sleep the most. So I was like, go ahead, guys. Go ahead. I'll catch up to you. And we had picked up a couple more people in our trail family at that point. All going to meet up there and watch the sunrise on top of this peak. So, you know, I was throwing my stuff in my bag, just let out in the dark, you know, full steam ahead, had my little headlamp bobbing and uh, caught them and then passed them. It was a few miles up to the peak and got up there and everything just opened up. And it, it's a ski resort up there, but of course it's closed since it's summer. And I remember it was right before the sun was about to come up. It was maybe 20 more minutes. And there, I was so, I, I really wanted to refill my water, but I was so tired. I wanted to go in here into this little ski lodge and see if it was open enough that I could find a water fountain or a climate controlled room. And I went and I like opened the door to the foyer and there's some guy laying in there asleep. And I was like, whoa. And he was like, startled him awake. And I was like, hey, sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to, to scare you or wake you up like that. And he's like, it's okay, man. That, that last night was my first night on the long trail. He was going the other direction. Uh, we were hiking uh, northbound. He was hiking southbound. And, uh, I was like, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. I have a whole crew behind me, and we're up here, and we're going to watch the sunrise. And he's like, it's okay, it's okay. And I was like, is there any, is there like a water fountain or anything in here? He's like, no, nope, everything's all locked up, man. Can't get in. I was like, all right. So then I went out, waited for my friends, cooked some breakfast, made some coffee with what water I had. And, uh, dude, the sunrise, the clouds were down in the valleys, and the sun just rose over them. You can, you can check it out on my Instagram. I mean – I made a time lapse of it. It was absolutely gorgeous. And just another special moment that I got to share with all those people who I, who I was connected with. And then that was our last day. So we got to finish off the trail and hike the rest of the way, whatever it was, 10 or 15 miles to the finish line, and then go into town and have the best burgers that we'd ever had. What an outstanding finish. That sounds epic. Oh, man. It was such such a pleasure. But – I, I like it even more that I get to enjoy it with other people. Um, I don't know if you can tell, I'm a very social creature. So when it comes to like enjoying the outdoors, I love, you know, doing the trips with other people. I could tell. I could tell. And <laughs> with with him going southbound and you guys going northbound, what is the, the more common direction to go on the long trail? I think that going northbound is – is the more common one and it's the easier one because the AT is like a highway, you know, and what we try to do as many 20 mile days as possible on the AT section because we knew that once it's split, so the AT keeps going to Maine and the long trail just keeps heading northbound straight to, to Canada. And we thought, you know, it'd really help us on the time if we could crank out a bunch of 20 mile days, but we got to the split and actually had to take a break there because that's, that's where the injury finally caught up with me. I was hopping from rock to rock trying to keep my feet dry and I guess overused one of the tendons or something in the front of my leg. We had to take a couple of zeros there, but, you know, right there at that hostel, it splits. So we kept going northbound and the scenery was much better than the section of the Appalachian Trail and the 
all the shelters, you know, if you've been on the Appalachian Trail, most of the shelters are like kind of like lean-tos. You know, they're, they're structurally sound, but there's only three sides, and there's a roof that covers you. And these were almost like cabins. Some of them were, you know, double deck. And along the long trail, a lot of them, especially if they're nicer, they have a caretaker there that lives there the entire backpacking season through there. So it's like five bucks a night to stay there, and it helps support, you know, maintaining the trail and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, the after you split off that first 100 miles, I mean, it's – a lot more overgrown and a lot more rough. One day I remember just getting smacked in the face all day long by these pine trees and you couldn't, the worst part wasn't the trees hitting you in the face. It was that you couldn't see the ground. So you're like stumbling over all these rocks and mud and roots. You're trying not to twist your ankles at the same time, just getting smacked over and over in the face. So if you do it from North to South, you're heading Southbound and you're doing the hardest section first. The AT is, is more like, hey, let me get warmed up to this. But people do it. You know, I don't know how many people. We didn't meet that many. Of course, it's still early in the season. But people do the southbound. It's just harder at the beginning. You made it sound so appealing with, you know, can't see in the ground and getting smacked in the face with branches. I mean, that's just good time had by all. It's that top two fun, man. That's what it is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, have you? Have, do you have any inclination to doing the full AT? I would do the AT if either one of two things. If my wife will backpack it with me, I'll do it. Or if she's, she's also okay with doing kind of like the camper life. I mean, I think campers are so freaking awesome, man. You get a toilet in the woods and if – I'm not a huge fan of pooping in the woods. Honestly, we played the don't poop in the woods game and I didn't poop other than the privies in the woods at all the entire long trail that month. So she's, you know, she likes the comfort a little more. So if she wanted to do like a van life or RV life or camper life or something like that, you know, some people also will, uh, they'll kind of yo-yo it. I don't know if yo-yo is the right term, but they take two vehicles you know, you park the vehicle you're walking toward further along and you take the other vehicle back and you walk to the camper or wherever you're staying at and then you drive and do it again the next day, the next day. So you always have like your bed and, you know, you're not sleeping outdoors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My my sometimes co-host, Chopper, uh, he, he always tells me that he's, I asked if he wants to co-host when I'm talking to a guest who's done one of the long trails or multiple long trails. And he's like, nah, it's not really my cup of tea. And uh, uh, in a previous episode recently, I got, to, I had, I pinned him down. I said, you know, what is it about the long trails? And he says, well, you know, I just, I can't take the time off of work to even consider that. And, you know, Mrs. Chopper wouldn't stand for that. And I said, well, let's take those two out of the equation. I said, let's say that, you know, Mrs. Chopper said it's, it's completely fine to do. And your, your, your job gives you six months off to go ahead and, and do what you want to do. Would you do it then? And he said, yeah, he would do it. I said, well, so it isn't out of your, your realm of possibility. It's just, you know, those two constraints won't let you do it. Yeah, it's, it's big constraints, though. Mm-hmm. But I also think that if you do that in the absence of some people that are close to you, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But a lot of times you come back different, especially if it's like long trail is only a month. But if you're out there for four, five, six months – it's, I don't know if I would say easy to become a different person, 
but we all grow. I mean, you're not the same person you were 10 years ago. So even that short amount of time, come back and sometimes life is different for you. Yeah. Now, Mrs. Doc may not be different when I get back, but you know what would be different? The locks would be different. <laughs> yes. There's, anytime I go on these trips, I know something's going to be different when I come back. Either like hair's going to be dyed, nails are going to be done, furniture's going to be different, walls are going to be painted. It's going to be something. I know that there's going to be money spent and something's going to be different, but you know, that's okay too. It's uh, Everybody's got to have their thing. So, if uh, if I leave and I'm gone for a few days, you know, I'm spending money and I'm doing what I love and there's nothing wrong with uh, your significant other doing the same, in my opinion. That's right. And Mrs. Yosemite Sam says, you go ahead, hon. You hike your hike. I'm going to I'm gonna hike my hike over here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you nailed it right there. Very good. Speaking of Mrs. Yosemite, have you, uh, have you ever taken her on a, on a hike, an, a multi-day hike? Yeah. So I remember that first trip I went on was the Appalachian Trail. And then later on that year, I had through hiked the JMT, but not the one that you're thinking of. There is a a crappier version of it in Tennessee and it's around the Big South Fork area. And I don't know why they named it that, but yeah, it's the John Muir Trail. So I through hiked it or for the most part, like 40 to 50 miles of it. And then I got back and I was like, man, Bridget is going to absolutely love this. You know, I love getting out for all these days. So I remember it was a holiday weekend. I remember that because we were off work. You know, she's a teacher too. So we both had that Monday off. And I was like, let's do a long weekend trip. We can drive up after work on Friday and then we can stay out for multiple days. And then the first night, we went to Red River Gorge in Kentucky. First night, it was raining, and she had never been backpacking before, just like hiking and camping and stuff. And we slept in the car, and it was absolutely miserable. It was a, a Nissan Altima, so you try to lay the seats back. It's all cramped, super uncomfortable, and it's very, very humid. It's like raining outside, so you can't roll down the window, but also you don't want to leave the car running all night. So that didn't start off great. And then uh, we met some really great friends who we're friends with to this day and get to see quite a bit. And then from there, she went on a few trips here and there. But the biggest one that we did together was, it was like a 75-mile trip at the Foothills Trail. So that goes west to east, east to west, north and South Carolina. It kind of hops back and forth between the borders. And that was, we actually went on that trip with the couple that we met on her first time backpacking in Red River Gorge. And then uh, poor Bridget, we did not have the mileage right. We were doing some 14, some 17 mile days here and there of the 70, 75 mile journey. And also she was using some ultra lone peaks. And if you're not familiar, there's zero drop. So that means that there's no heel on them, right? So there's no incline or decline. And that really messes with like your calves and your hamstrings, your, like your whole body, it kind of throws it out of whack because your body's used to walking on normal, regular shoes. And there's a bit of an incline on the heel, even if it's a few millimeters. And she was using those. And I got to say, if you've never used them before, and then you hike 10 miles the first day, the next day you're waking up and you're really hurting. So she actually had to bail on the trip on the last day. And 
you know, I did the last 20 something miles without her. Oh no, that's, that's heartbreaking. Well, she was done. And the other couple, we all went together and the other couple, her husband was mentally completely over it. So they went and they met us at the peak, the highest point. I think it was in North Carolina. I can't remember. But the highest peak, that biggest summit, they met us at the top with some like gas station pulled pork or hamburgers or something like that and a couple of bags of chips and some great desserts. And um, that was like halfway through the day. So the the other person that was with us was Kristen and Kevin. And Kristen and I, I slack packed it and done the last 20 or so miles with her. And then we all went and got a giant pizza and got a hotel and it turned out good, but it kind of ruined backpacking for Bridget for a little while. I think I recently took her on her first or second trip since then, and we just did like three miles in. It was like an hour walk and camped. It was actually fantastic. Those types of trips are great too. Fantastic. Getting her back out there, a little, little smaller chunk at a time there. Yeah, I think that she'll stick with those kind of trips the whole three or four days or month. Mm-hmm. It's not really her jam, but that's okay. You know, it's comfortable yeah. here at the house. Now we have uh, we've mentioned your YouTube channel a couple times. What kind of content can people expect to find on your your YouTube channel? Well, I, I say my mission is to help people increase their quality of life on trail. So uh, the backpacking it's a backpacking channel. It's called Jeremiah Stringer Hikes. It's just my first and last name and then hikes. And uh, I do everything hiking and backpacking related. So like uh, most recent video, if I remember correctly, it was all about gear. So I do gear videos. I do trip videos and a ton of like tips and hacks and like beginner mistakes to avoid. Because I figure there's always somebody out there that's just starting and if you're making content, if you can help curve, like they're, they're learning, you know, mm-hmm. the learning curve steep, whenever you go out into the woods and it's raining and you're trying to build a fire to stay warm. <laughs> so if, if you can help somebody figure out from the get go, what type of sleeping bag do I need? What type of hammock do I need? What type of top quilt, anything like that? those kinds of things can be essential to just not dying out there. So I don't mean to scare anybody off or anything like that, but if I can share mistakes that I've made that helps other people not make those same mistakes, I'm all about it. I mean, that's what teaching's all about. Yeah. Yosemite, can you imagine 40 years ago before the internet, before YouTube, before ultralight, the folks that were out there hiking the AT and the PCT uh, just, I mean, they, they are absolute either heroes or, or completely bonkers because to bite off that big of a trip with, with, with not having those resources to be able to, you know, do your research and, and, you know, determine where all the resupplies and everything else. I mean, that, that just had to be a crazy. I mean, I guarantee you they, they, they learned a lot by like necessity you know and it's good internet's good and bad too right because like you if you go to uh trail days and you meet a bunch of through hikers there's a ton there together in damascus every year on the Appalachian trail and a ton of them are wearing the same clothes the same shoes the same style backpacks so i think 
diversity is absolutely amazing in the backpacking world when it comes to all this gear and uh, all the choices that you can make. Sometimes it makes it a little bit too complicated, I think, because there's so many resources and you don't really know what to pick and what's a good fit for you. But also at the same time, a simplified version would be okay too. You know, there's something about learning from those mistakes and it creates genuine educational opportunities for you, even though it can be kind of rough. That's right. Win or learn. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Hey, Yosemite, you know where we are? What's up? We are at that time of the episode where I turn to you and ask for your pro tip insight of the week. What uh, piece of wisdom, some insight, uh, tip, or trick do you have for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? Man, there's so many. I want, I want you to, to do a little game for me, if it's okay with you. Oh, the tables are being turned. Okay. I want you to – we'll see if I can think of a couple of hacks or a couple of tips or something like that on the spot with you, you naming – a few pieces of random gear. Okay. Shelter. Do you, do you want to, the category or do you want specific type of gear? Oh, it can be absolutely anything. So for instance, with the shelter, mm-hmm. I, shelters are great, but if, if I'm flying solo, I try to avoid them because like if you can stealth camp around the shelter, my tip would be to do that unless it's raining, then shelters everything. But you're, you're literally crammed in there with a bunch of people that you don't know that are all farting and burping and stinky and wallering in their own sweat. Whenever you could be in paradise, you know, out in your hammock or out in your tent, you'd have some earplugs in, being by the water, just being lulled to sleep and not having to listen to all of them. Got another one? How about water filter? Okay, the water filter. So what water filter do you use? I use a, it's a gravity filter, a uh, uh-huh. two, two liter gravity filter. I believe it's a, it's not a platypus. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm a little embarrassed. I, I don't know the, the brand name of my, my water filter. That's absolutely okay. So when it comes to the water filters, uh, I've tried a bunch of different ones. I, I try to avoid using the Sawyer Mini and the Sawyer Micro, not a disc to Sawyer. The flow rate just isn't good enough for me in my opinion, and the micro failed on me on the long trail. So I use either the Sawyer Full, which is Sawyer Squeeze. You can buy it at Walmart for like 30 bucks, and you can set it up to do a gravity-fed system. But what I like to do is a lot of these filters come with a little bottle, a little bottle cap that goes on the top, and it flips open. So if you want to, you can screw that on top of your, your bottle and drink dirty water through the filter, making it clean, and it's like drinking, you know, it's, it's much faster than actually filtering, but it's, it's drinking clean water through that little bottle cap. Or if you're somebody who actually wants to filter, not from screwing on top of the bottle, as long as it has the same size threads as your filter, you can instead take like a coupling, like the Sawyer comes with a bunch of different um, accessories. You can screw that on top and it comes with a little hose for the gravity feed system. I cut off like two or three inches of that hose and stick it on the coupling and then all of a sudden, instead of your water filter, like, slippering, like slipping around while you're trying to filter your water into your bottle, like that whole hose goes into the bottle so you don't have to worry about it slipping out. Very good. Those are a couple of good tricks. 
Yeah, thanks, man. You can find it. All that kind of stuff, that's what I do on the YouTube channel. That's what it's all about. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Yosemite. I want to thank you for joining us this week. Yosemite, one more time, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media, and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? So on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, it's Jeremiah Stringer Hikes. You'll find me on there. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, and now TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Yosemite, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for uh, a piece of media. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation to keep our listeners connected to the outside. So this can be a variety, in any variety of, of genres. Could be a book, could be a movie, could be a website. Uh, what do you have for us in terms of an adventure media recommendation? Well, I got a couple. One's a shameless plug. So our podcast as well is all about backpacking. So if that's your jam, then definitely check it out. Literally just the backpacking podcast, any of the platforms. If you're somebody that, that likes listening to books, Jeff's book, The Free Outside, is absolutely fantastic. Also, Heather Anish Anderson, I don't know if you've had her on as a guest, but uh, she has a new book coming out that I haven't read yet, but she broke the record on the PCT, not just female, like completely broke the record on the PCT. So I can't remember off the top of my head what her book is called, but it is absolutely superb read. So I would definitely check it out too. Fantastic. I know that somebody's out there right now trying to break that record. There's somebody on the, on the PCT right now trying to set the FKT. Wow. Those people are masochists. Yes, they are. I agree agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and you say we, when you talked about your your backpacking podcast, who, who is your co-host? So my co-host name is John Kelly. He has a YouTube channel that is the same niche as mine. So his is all about hiking, backpacking, outdoors, that kind of stuff. But John Kelly, we host a podcast. We also do live streams. So like Mondays, not right now, we're taking a break because I'm on summer break and backpacking all the time. But Monday nights... We do live streams on there and also upload them as podcast episodes. Now, I realize that in the, the, the big blue world that there are a number of John Kellys that exist within that. Is this the John Kelly that did the, the Barkley Marathons? No, different John Kelly. Okay. All <laughs> this right. John Kelly, he did the Shelter We Trace, which is 350 miles through Kentucky. He through-hiked it. But if you just search John Kelly backpacking, if you want to check out his channel or anything like that, or if you go, like our YouTube channel is a backpacking podcast as well. So you can find all of his info if you're curious. But unfortunately, he hasn't mastered that feat. But um, you may want to talk to him because he, for his 50th birthday, I think he's like 47 or 48 right now, he wants to hike the JMT. Okay. So that's his goal. So we'll see. It's it's interesting. That is a fantastic goal. Yes. I'm, I want it too. But uh, like I said, it's hard being away for so long. Yes. Now, before we wrap things up, we have one final segment called, What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Me About? What did I miss here? I mean, nothing directly comes to mind besides like, uh, you know, if you're thinking about going out and, and checking out the outdoors, doing backpacking, hiking, climbing, kayaking, any, biking, anything, like go ahead and take the dive and do it because you're missing out. 
you're not getting to enjoy God's nature like we're getting to. I mean, it is, it's something else. Agreed. Absolutely agree. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Yosemite? Well, I just want to thank my wife for setting aside the time. And, uh, you know, she, she goes through, I won't say goes through a lot, but it, it's very special that she makes so many sacrifices because I spend so much time outdoors and then editing and doing stuff like this with, with people like you and others. And I love you, Bridget. Very good. Yeah. Big shout out to our significant others out there that put up with us and allow us to do the things that we do. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if Hatchet Man has dragged you to Vermont for the long trail and leaves you after three days. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv i'm will cooper and you're listening to hunt stands make your mark podcast on the waypoint podcast network stick around as i bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life